Brother, you've learned well. You're expert at Wu Tang. <laughs> you learn. You have to suffer a lot. Otherwise, you'd never have mastered Chin King and the Wu Tang sword skills. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. Let's start the show. I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Episode 21. Today on the podcast, uh, we will discuss the second most printed book on the planet. And what is this book? It's the Tao Te Ching. We're going to look into it and discuss it. And I have some clips, some recordings of the Tao. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. When there is no more separation between light and dark. It is called the still point of the Tao. At the still point, in the center of the circle, one can see the infinite in all things. 2,600 years ago in ancient China, we see the first reference to the Tao or the Tao Te Ching. Taoism is the act of observing nature as it is while removing the ego. Observing the perfect balance of nature. The Tao is man observing nature outside of himself and nature within himself and realizing the connection between the two. The Tao Te Ching will never tell you anything related to hard facts, science, logic, religion. In ancient China, there were three schools of learning. The first was Confucianism, the second, Buddhism, and the third, Taoism. Confucianism teaches us learning, knowledge, tradition, education. Buddhism teaches us of dukkha, or translated suffering. 
and that all suffering comes from attachment. Taoism speaks of the metaphysical world, and it never follows any traditional way of instruction or teaching. Instead, Taoism teaches us in a whisper, in a suggestion, illustrating to us the metaphysical world, and the Tao cares not whether you understand, comprehend, or are able to relate to its teachings. It is very, very mysterious and understood by very, very few people. That is truly understood because the Tao can be comprehended at multiple, many different levels. And uh, what you're looking for is to get a very deep understanding of the Tao. As a matter of fact, the words of the Tao are simple. The verses are a collection of metaphors, observations, and contradictory statements. Yet, of all the spiritual teachings of the East, it is the most difficult to truly understand. When one first reads the Tao, you either get it, or you think it's some type of twisted, senseless riddle. Verse 41 of the Tao reads, When a wise man hears the Tao, he practices it diligently. When an average man hears the Tao, he wavers between understanding and misunderstanding. When a foolish man hears the Tao, he laughs out loud. If the fool did not laugh out loud, it would not be the Tao. The Tao speaks of the void and the uncarved block, which represents that which is in nature, which is untouched and it's in its natural state. When speaking of the void, uh, chapter 11 of the Tao puts it succinctly, and it, it reads, 30 spokes connect at one hub. What is not there makes the wheel useful. Clay is formed into a vase. What is not there makes the vase useful. Windows and doors are cut from a room. What is not there makes the room useful. Learn to make use of what is by using that which isn't. That very verse is probably the most simple yet most profound verse of the Tao. The wise man understands that by utilizing the void or doorway, he is able to gain access or benefit from the space within the room. The average man visually can see the space of the room, however, does not truly understand the void is what provides the utility of the space within. The average man just cannot connect the dots of the usefulness and the profound power of the void. The void represents the mind opening like a doorway. Then once opened, looking in for what's inside of us to access deeper levels of metaphysical understanding of the world. The uncarved block, by being in a state of being uncarved, has all the forms and shapes and sizes within it, hence having infinite potential. 
again, a metaphysical way of seeing the world. The Tao teaches us to be observant of seeing patterns in nature and patterns within ourself. And most important, it teaches us how to synchronize the two, enabling both to flow seamlessly together. The Tao also teaches us of the utmost importance of timing in all things. So it's timing and patterns that are outside of us and within us and giving us the ability to synchronize both. The reason why the Tao Te Ching is so powerful and profound is that it requires us to engage all of that which is within us to understand and find the true deeper meanings written within it. It really requires us to engage and to participate in this process of deep, deep metaphysical understanding of the world. It's kind of like the old story where you give a man a fish and he eats for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, he will eat forever. I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. short chapters known as the Tao Te Ching have been translated more often than any other book in the world with the single exception of the Bible. Like the Bible, the Tao Te Ching is a book whose appeal is as broad as its meaning is deep. It speaks to each of us at our own level of understanding while inviting us to search for levels of insight and experience that are not yet within our comprehension. As with every text that deserves to be called sacred, it is a half-silvered mirror. To read it is not only to see ourselves as we are, but to glimpse a greatness extending far beyond our knowledge of ourselves and the universe we live in. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. These words are among the most famous in all the literature of the world. They were first offered, however, not to modern Western people like ourselves who, approaching the 21st century, are ready to admit that we have given too much place to discursive thought and rationalism. They were spoken some 2,500 years ago to a people and in a place, ancient China, far, far removed from us. Any work of art that communicates so enduringly over such enormous reaches of time and cultural diversity addresses, we may be sure, the essence of human nature and the human condition, rather than socio-cultural aspects that are peculiar to this or that society. The Tao Te Ching deals with what is permanent in us. It speaks of a possible inner greatness 
and an equally possible inner failure, which are both indelibly written into our very structure as human beings. Under its gaze we are not American or Chinese or European. We are that being, man, uniquely called to occupy a precise place in the cosmic order, no matter where or in what era we live. The Tao Te Ching is thus a work of metaphysical psychology, taking us far beyond the social or biological factors that have been the main concern of modern psychology. It helps us to see how the fundamental forces of the cosmos itself are mirrored in our own individual inner structure, and it invites us to try to live in direct relationship to all these forces. To see truly and to live fully, this is what it means to be authentically human. But it is extremely challenging, and this challenge was apparently as difficult for the men and women of ancient China as it is for us. We too try in vain to live full lives without understanding what it means to see. We too presume to act, to do, to create, without opening ourselves to a vision of ultimate reality. This opening and the way to experience it are what the Tao Te Ching is about. Historical information about the text and its author is scant and cloaked in legend. Even the little information we have is at every point subject to dispute by scholars. Although many are willing to accept that Lao Tzu was a real person born in what is now known as the Honan province in China some six centuries before the Christian era. Tradition has it that Confucius once journeyed to see Lao Tzu and came away amazed and in awe of the man. According to the tale, Confucius described his meeting with Lao Tzu in the following way. I know a bird can fly, a fish can swim, an animal can run. For that which runs, a net can be made. For that which swims, a line can be made. For that which flies, a corded arrow can be made. But the dragon's ascent into heaven on the wind and the clouds is something which is beyond my knowledge. Today I have seen Lao Tzu, and he is a dragon. The tale also tells that Lao Tzu was the keeper of the imperial archives at the ancient capital of Luoyang. Seeing the imminent decay of the society he lived in, he resolved to ride away alone into the desert, but at the Hanku Pass he was stopped by a gatekeeper named Yin Shi, who knew of his reputation for wisdom and who begged him to set down in writing the essence of his teaching. Thus, the legend tells us, the Tao Te Ching came into being. Legend aside, there is no doubt about the immense importance of this text in the history of China and the Orient. The figure of Lao Tzu and his writings are revered by followers of the Taoist religion, and the message of the Tao Te Ching has been one of the major underlying influences in Chinese thought and culture for more than 2,000 years. Throughout the world, when one thinks of the greatest spiritual figures in the history of mankind, Lao Tzu is placed alongside Christ, Gautama Buddha, Moses, and Muhammad. The Tao that can be told 
is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of ten thousand things. Ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one sees the manifestations. These two spring from the same source, but differ in name. This appears as darkness, darkness within darkness, the gate to all mystery. Under heaven, all can see beauty as beauty only because there is ugliness. All can know good as good only because there is evil. Therefore, having and not having arise together. Difficult and easy complement each other. Long and short contrast each other. High and low rest upon each other. Voice and sound harmonize each other. Front and back follow one another. Therefore the sage goes about doing nothing, teaching no talking. The ten thousand things rise and fall without cease, creating yet not possessing, working yet not taking credit. Work is done, then forgotten. Therefore, it lasts forever. Like water. It's not an easy skill to learn. I've been practicing it for many years. highest good is like water. Water gives life to the ten thousand things and does not strive. It flows in places men reject, and so is like the Tao. In dwelling, be close to the land. In meditation, go deep in the heart. In dealing with others, be gentle and kind. In speech, be true. In ruling, be just. In daily life, be competent. In action, be aware of the time and the season. No fight, no blame. Better stop short than fill to the brim. Over-sharpen the blade, and the edge will soon blunt. Amass a store of gold and jade, and no one can protect it. Claim wealth and titles and disaster will follow. Retire when the work is done. This is the way of heaven. Like water. It's not an easy skill to learn. I've been practicing it for many years. Empty yourself of everything. 
let the mind become still. The ten thousand things rise and fall while the self watches their return. They grow and flourish and then return to the source. Returning to the source is stillness, which is the way of nature. The way of nature is unchanging. Knowing constancy is insight. Not knowing constancy leads to disaster. Knowing constancy, the mind is open. With an open mind, you will be open-hearted. Being open-hearted, you will act royally. Being royal, you will attain the divine. Being divine, you will be at one with the Tao. Being at one with the Tao is eternal, and though the body dies, the Tao will never pass away. Like water. It's not an easy skill to learn. I've been practicing it for many years. The student hears of the Tao and practices it diligently. The average student hears of the Tao and gives it thought now and again. The foolish student hears of the Tao and laughs aloud. If there were no laughter, the Tao would not be what it is. Hence it is said, the bright path seems dim. Going forward seems like retreat. The easy way seems hard. The highest virtue seems empty. Great purity seems sullied. A wealth of virtue seems inadequate. The strength of virtue seems frail. Real virtue seems unreal. The perfect square has no corners. Great talents ripen late. The highest notes are hard to hear. The greatest form has no shape. The Tao is hidden and without name. The Tao alone nourishes and brings everything to fulfillment. That about wraps it up for episode 21 of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes that is an audio book of the Tao Te Ching, an excellent translation and an excellent rendition of it that you could listen to, which is the one that I've used in this episode. I also recommend that you crack that book open, the Tao Te Ching. You need to get a really good translation. The one that I prefer really is R.L. Wing's translation, but there's a couple of other good ones out there. You know, read it and make sure that it speaks to you. Uh, we have so much, so many resources out there on. Um, on the web that you can uh, utilize and, and, and pursue your, your study of the Tao as with any other philosophies that you want to pursue. So I highly recommend uh, that, that you do pursue it. As I said, the Tao is, honestly, it's really the most complex and the most esoteric of all the Eastern philosophies of any philosophy because 
there's no one written, you know, definition of any verse of the Tao. It's very fluid and it's very subjective to how it hits you. Um, obviously, there's a lot of truth in it, but it's very mysterious. And, and that's the beauty of it. You know, when you read it, you have to really look deeply into it to, to get its fullness and to get the full understanding of it and let it resonate within you. And the other thing is, every time you read the Tao, it's going to hit you in a slightly different way. So, um, again, you know, get into it, and I do appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, Again, any feedback, show topics, or, uh, you know, any observations or comments on the show, please email me at alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. Namaste.